Sunji, hi everyone. Your host today is none other than the King of Derby Day himself, Richard I of the Topical City Kingdom. A title fought and won in the Derby Day Bingo Showdown. And I'm joined today, firstly, by the man who lost at Derby Day Bingo. It's Cameron. How are you coping with that loss there, Cam? I mean, you're talking a big game for a man who guessed one thing. <laughs> One guess thing one thing. Guessed one thing and got one thing that he couldn't even guess because David De Gea didn't even play. So uh, I'll I'll bow down to you out of fealty, but there's certainly no respect in it. So you're saying that I only had four things to win and I still ended up coming out the victor. Yeah, fair that's enough. Saying, that's, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, not the best derby day to claim a crown from anyway. I must admit, I did feel a little bit sick to my stomach after the uh, after the loss there. But speaking of sick, we're joined today also by Senor Sick Day himself, James. How's it going, James? Are you feeling any better now, mate? I'm feeling a lot better, mate. I know the people wanted me back and they've been <laughs> crying out for it. And um, it's the return that they've been waiting for up there with Gandalf the Grey and the likes of John Stones. Nice and good company there. <laughs> Cameron made your point status public in the last pod saying you were points negative. How are you going to get your own back on him after like outing your status in public like that? I made it clear from the first podcast that I don't expect to win any points in this. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's irrelevant to me and past Karen. Yeah. So it's about the, uh, the participation and making you well guys said. good about the points. It's all I'm there for. It is there for the world to see on the Etihad's table anyway. And Cameron, why don't you go ahead and talk us through how after the Manchester derby we ended up in the Etihad's table there. So we are absolutely beyond awful at predicting teams, uh, it would look from the outside. Because again, after Southampton, we only had minus points. James lost a point um, because of his lineup. I feel like I should explain our lineups work. We can only win points if we get 11 players correct, which with a Pep Guardiola team is uh, sketchy at best. It's possible, mate. It's absolutely impossible. Um, we gain, or we don't gain or lose any points if we get between one and three wrong. And if it's four or more, then that's when the losing points start coming in for each when you get wrong. So James got four wrong against Southampton and therefore lost a point. In terms of the United game, there was a very big swing. Table. It was a big boy bet on that. Big wasn't boy it? bet. Big boy bet from uh, Richard, who said if he correctly guessed the score right, and it, I did feel harsh afterwards. I did text you and I, I offered you uh, an out, and you gracefully stood up and said you'd take the the beating. But uh, your bet was that the score would be six one, and for every goal you were off, you would lose a point. It didn't end 6-1, as we yeah, all know. Yeah, I was off by quite a way in the end. <laughs> uh, so you did, unfortunately, lose seven points, which put you straight back at zero. But good for you. You did win the King of Derby Day crown. Uh, so Yeah. Worth nothing. Worth absolutely no points. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure you'll be lording it over us until the next Derby Day. Uh, so after both oh, those games, the, the table stands at uh, James's bottom with minus three. Richard is dead zero. And I am where I belong with a total of two points. Well, thank you very much there, Cam. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a misplaced bet, but I figured I'd, you know, it was, I was overdue. I respect big bet, it. And I was, I was kind of running away with things anyway, so it's nice to make things a bit more interesting, bring myself down to, to your guys' level. Sorry, I'd, uh, I'd make a bet, but I ain't got any points to bet with, so... <laughs> you don't have to have points, we'll, we'll give you credit. You can gamble okay. in the minus, mate. It's like chatting with but a banker, isn't it? I was going to say, James, we do have a bit of a discussion to do, me and you, because it was brought to our attention on Twitter that Cameron's been getting the points table wrong. Mm-hmm. And then he went and got his own lineup wrong for the Manchester derby as well. Yep. Bit of a uh, bit of a kerfuffle there. What do you reckon? Are we going to have to dock this guy some points or are we letting him off the hook again? Before you make your decision here, I'd, li- I'd like to say I'm the only person doing it, uh, for one. So I'm the only person who could lose points for that. And also, you saw my threat, didn't you? You saw what those liners would look like from now on? Well, I figured we could, you know, if, if you go five games without making a mistake, maybe you could be rewarded. 
<laughs> there's certain incentive. standards we've got here at this podcast mate and all right i'll, I'll take it if I, yeah if i'll go five games uh, what am i getting if there's no errors you just don't lose points okay well that's not really a reward <laughs> there's if there's another mistake just know mate we're we're ready to pounce there on you all right well i'll be carefully scanning the descriptions of all the podcasts that go up from now on shall i <laughs> Well, in the beginning of this podcast, we're just going to briefly go over the Manchester derby. We are really fashionably late to the party on this one, so we're not going to go too in-depth on it. A lot of podcasts have already done a full post-mortem on this already. Uh, Just kicking things off, Cam, I did say to you in the Derby Day special that even when City aren't in front, I'm kind of confident that we're going to go on and score a couple of goals that just went out the window completely when City went down within a minute in this match, didn't it? Yeah, it seemed like fate, didn't it? They they, they were pushing that narrative at the start that we were 21, uh, 21 straight wins. They were 21 unbeaten and away. As soon as you saw them breaking straight away in the beginning, you were just like, oh, it's got to be that kind of game. What Jesus did to... Uh, to give away the penalty basically and also not give me a point because it wasn't a dive what that that's something he does all the time like he and it usually comes off he loses the ball and he tracks back 50 yards to tackle the man and just on this time it didn't work for him it's hard to be too annoyed with him although he should have left it to the defense to do with because he was surrounded by about five players but I, I can't be too harsh on Jesus because that's just what he does he, he loses the ball and he chases it down but it, it was Super frustrating to start the game. Games, do you want to be really harsh on Jesus? So you're going to leave it up to me. That's all you, mate. I agree with Cam in that this is partly a symptom of the way we play. And Jesus Christ, the, the guy, <laughs> ironically, um, the guy's got all the best intentions in the world there. And I'd much rather he did that every other week than he wasn't arsed and didn't chase anyone down. He's not perfect, and these things are going to happen. I agree that he should have seen the bigger picture and seen the 500 City players around Marshall and judged the situation better. But he was winning the ball back and that's what Pep drills into them. And yeah, it's going to happen on occasion. But just like it would with Edison running out, every now and again, it's going to bite us in the arse. And that's the way I see it. There's no judgment from me. Fair enough. I just think they're massively naive and you've been he's been playing football and you know, for his club and country for long enough now to to have a bit of intelligence about him and not make those decisions when, you know, well, as you said, clearly surrounded by players. It was a bit of a bit more of a mistake. And I think that he should be laid into a bit more, but we won't do that mainly because we don't really have much time. <laughs> James, <laughs> is it, what was like the big takeaway or like the big highlight of the derby for you that you wanted to talk about, pal? You mentioned in takeaway, just remind me about my tea that's coming in about got clearly got distracted easily. Um, do you know what? I've listened to a couple of podcasts on the derby already, and like you say, most takes have been covered. When I was thinking about what I wanted to chat about, something jumped into my head, which isn't necessarily derby related, but it does does connect. And it was for the penalty when Edison's there clapping his gloves, trying to put him off. And I just thought, I've got no confidence in Edison saving this. Do you know, like, it used to be a thing that our cup goalkeepers somehow pulled one out their arse every time and they just had that, it, they had something about them. I really rate Edison, and I'm, I'm not doubting him in any shape or form, but when it comes to penalties, I did question the rate of which he saves penalties for us. And I just thought it's an interesting thing to look at because it's not something I've really heard before. How do you guys feel about his performance in one-on-ones like that? I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not. It's not just Edison, though. I'm not overly confident with penalties in general. We don't seem to say it a lot, although he got a pretty strong hand to it in the end. So I think he did more than I expected him to mm-hmm. do. Uh, for some reason, in my head, Edison always goes the wrong way when a penalty is, is being taken. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but this time he did he did as much as he could do in the situation he was put in, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think you you mentioned like the the cup keepers penalties there. That's usually in shootouts. And we do tend to do a bit more favourably scoring and saving from shootouts than we do for in-game penalties for some reason. I'm not entirely sure why that is, but yeah, Edison, it's really close, so I don't want to lay into him proper, but it would be interesting to go on like Stat City and look at his 
rate of saving penalties because I can't, nothing springs to mind immediately there that, that says to me that I'm he's just, very good at it. I'm actually just looking at it now. I've, um, I've got it here, mate. I've yeah, I was looking at it too. Uh, you, you go ahead if you've done the... The, uh, I, the only reason I'll gazump you there is because I've done a comparison with some other keepers. Okay, fair enough. So I've just looked in the Prem. Edison's save success rate is 13%, whereas the close... I've only looked at Edison, De Gea, Allison, and then Joe Hart. So is that specifically um, penalties or across? Penalties. Okay. Just just Premier League penalties. Um, he's got a 13% success rate. De Gea's got 17%. Joe Hart's got 25%. And Allison's got 36%. So there's a bit of a jump there. And this isn't me digging yeah. out Edison at all. It's just an interesting observation that I'd come across. Have they, have they faced a similar amount of penalties or is it? Edison's you know. faced 45, De Gea 63, Hart 58, Allison 25. Well, I, I was looking at the numbers um, as opposed to the percentages. According to transfer marks, um, he's saved two um, penalties mm-hmm. in the Premier League yeah. and he's let in, looks like 10 or 11. Um, so, yeah, you definitely don't want to put your money on him in a penalty situation. I said Premier League did that. This was all competitions, but not penalty shootouts. Just he's not like a um, renowned shot stopper regardless is he necessarily like even in game like not just from penalties like if somebody's one-on-one through goal unless he's closing them down with an intent on killing them my money isn't really on them not scoring <laughs> Cam what's your big takeaway from a really disappointing derby day um, it, it ties together to be honest um, uh, it ties in with his lineup, the lineup choice at the beginning and what the symptom of that was and I think we all agreed that the fact that Bernardo Silva didn't start our game was an absolute travesty. Yeah. yeah. With Foden as well, but specifically Bernardo Silva should have started that game because um, of his, as we always say, because of the industry uh, that he provides. There was, a point, industry. there was a point 80 minutes into that game. We, we had just broken up a United counter-attack and we were going forward. And Gundogan had the ball on the edge of the box. And I noticed Fred jogging back into position, not even running back to, to defend our counter-attack, nothing like that. We had the ball ahead and Fred had jogged back to his position on outside the box because the whole game, he just knew we were passing side to side. We were trying crosses that didn't work. We, we weren't trying to go forward. And, and it just seemed like if they knew that, fans definitely knew that. I don't know why we were doing that when that's just not how we've played for the, for the past 21 wins. We've been aggressive. We've been going forward. And it just seemed like, again, maybe that old Pep overthinking a big game thing came around. We needed to be a bit cagey. We needed to be a bit more patient in the build-up play rather than being as aggressive as we are with Bernardo unfolding on. And, and it just struck me. It really annoyed me that Fred had the goal to jog back and get into position rather than feel the threat that we might go and, and do something. Um, so I, I just wanted to bring that up. It just seemed really frustrating and, and, and symptomatic of the day, emblematic. I completely agree with you, obviously, about um, Bernardo and Foden missing. It just felt like we weren't going to have that pace. Like in the middle of the field, Rodri, De Bruyne, Gundogan, they don't scream um, quick counter-attack or... Uh, transitional, quick transitional player or anything, which is exactly what you'd need against United like that. Just on the crosses, though, I think that we do cross the ball quite regularly in games, especially the games that we've been on the winning streak lately. I think it's just more noticeable when, we, when we're not able to get the ball into the back of the net that we're trying this crossing thing and it's not working. Yeah, what I think, I, what I meant by that was those crosses don't work unless you've got the players that are running into the box and I guess I can't explain it, but I guess having the likes of Foden and Bernardo somehow means Gundogan is in that six-yard box position rather than standing on the 18-yard box waiting for a pass or waiting for De Bruyne to unlock the defence or something like that. That's just how it appeared to me. It's 2-0 to Manchester United coming out of that. It's the third loss that the Etihad in a row to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United. So here's Pep Guardiola's record against the Norwegian PE teacher. You got three wins for Pep Guardiola, one draw in what must be the most unbelievably boring Manchester derby possibly of all time, and four to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So, James, like, what's actually going on here? Is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a fucking genius, or 
are we not seeing something? Do you know what? I, I, I struggle to put my finger on it, having thought about it recently, and I'm going to steal an opinion from, I think it was 9320, which really resonated with me. Perhaps so ice cold when it comes to the derbies. And what I mean by that is he doesn't feel the passion in this, or maybe he doesn't feel the passion in the same way that he would if it was a Barca Madrid. It might be that. It might be that he doesn't see United as a huge threat, which actually I don't think is the case because I think he does class most teams as a threat and he sees the good in them. It could be on the flip side. It could be nothing to do with Pep necessarily. And it could be that the roles are reversed from the early 2000s where this win is so important to them and it's just not to us. Yeah, we could have sewn the league up. And it was the same a couple of years ago, weren't it, where we were winning 2-0 and then Pogba showed up for a few minutes and we lost 3-2. They're almost like their pride kicks in a little bit and they're kind of going, right, we're, we're still Man United and we still want to have a bit of pride when it comes to this. It's hard to put a finger on it and it might be that something like that started and now it's created a trend and now it has got in Pep's head a little bit. It might be a mix of it all. End of the day, hopefully it won't matter. Cam, are you buying that? Do Man United deserve a lot more credit? No, I think he's keeping Ali in a job. <laughs> it's all a conspiracy. Yeah. Just just keep him at their level by keeping him with a substandard manager. That's what I think it is. And why are you talking about records, though? Because um, I feel I feel a moving on coming up. Did you know how bad Sterling's record against United is? He's never yeah. scored, is he? Awful. I, uh, like, like I do, I, you put him as a big game player, and we all know that before the Community Shield, he, 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 I don't think he'd ever scored against Liverpool for us, but... If he had, it was very rare. Is, is he the big game player we all think he is? Because like United, Liverpool, woeful records against those two clubs. I'd be interested no, to see and... what it was like against Chelsea, Spurs, Champions League, big clubs. I'd be interested to see that. I might look that up for the next podcast. If I recall, like just off the top of my head, I think his record against Chelsea is actually really good unless Pep's playing him in a false nine position and then it's woeful. But um, you, you think back to like the Leon miss where it's blazed high and wide over the bar. And I think that there might actually be something to say there for on these big nights that maybe it all just gets a bit too much for him. Yeah, I, I'd be interested, very interested to, to look at that because I could not believe that it's that many games. It was 22, 23 games, something like that. And it's just nothing against United. It's yeah. So just to offer a bit of a perspective then at the end of the Derby Day conversation, I did message quite a few of my Manchester United fan mates just to ask them like their perspective on it and their thoughts. And basically their thoughts were that Shaw was outstanding again. City were too slow in midfield with that chosen three. So exactly what we were saying, that it's it's not going to change the title race at all. But they had more incentive to win this because... With West Ham and Chelsea in the form that they're in, they do need to keep them out of the top four. So I think there is something to say for what James had to say there. That yeah, I think that maybe it means a bit more emotionally to Manchester United at the moment, but also in terms of the table, it probably does mean more to them to get the points at this stage of the season right now than it did to City. Can you say that they were noisy neighbours? Little United. And sometimes neighbours are noisy. Shout out Joey and Mulv. <laughs> well City did manage to bounce back you know what's really lucky about the season at the minute is that when we have a shit game like that a couple of days later another game rolls around and we have the chance to make up for it so we played Southampton on Wednesday we'll basically just run through the beginning to to end of that match because and then take a massive moment out of the middle to just take a huge rant at <laughs> the level of officiating but I'll put that off for now so first opening 15 minutes of the game City are massively struggling and this is the way that City have been in the beginning of most games even throughout the winning run do you not think guys? It's been especially noticeable the last three or four games um, which are coincidentally the games we've been conceded as well so I did, I did miss the, third, the last 15 minutes of the first half last 25 minutes of the first half but it did look like it was like the United game, Southampton were there to play. Southampton were there to cause trouble. So I did, I was a bit trepidatious at the beginning, I've got to say. Then there's a hangover from the derby, I think. And I text you guys, I WhatsApp to you guys, like around the start to say, 
it kind of felt like this was a bit of a sliding doors moment of, you know, if they, if they lose their heads early doors in in this match, you could see it's sort of starting a ball rolling in terms of confidence and, you know, to, to sort of seal the title off and it could give the chasing pack a bit of confidence and, you know, all of a sudden it's eight points with 10 games to go, which is completely feasible to catch up on. So I think it was a real sliding doors moment in terms of shake off that United loss back as we were. And the first 15 minutes were testing for that. Thankfully, we came through in the end, but it did ring true at the start for me. Some of these players need a bit of criticising then for having a bit of a weak kind of mentality on the pitch. It's been a rough opening in most of the games that we go that we play. I remember specifically that West Ham one. They were all over City and could have easily gone, you know, up in front first. Like during that winning run, it's 19 games in a row that City don't go behind. So we score the first goal and that's a big reason in going on to win the games. Is there a bit of a weak mentality in the players that if we do go behind first or the threat of going behind first just suddenly puts us so much on the back foot that it makes us super vulnerable? No, I don't think so. We're reverting away from the norm, aren't we, when we go behind so early on? They're not used to it. And it, if we see it as a little bit of like muscle memory, there was, for example, Liverpool's at last season that they just kept scoring goals in the last few minutes to win the games. That that became almost a habit. They would, you know, they said that they felt like the, the fans were sucking the ball into the net and all that shit. But actually, the players had a, a recent history of we can still win this because it had happened, you know, quite a few times. So the belief was there. And maybe it's just because we're so used to going ahead early doors that we need a bit more of that muscle memory for when we do go behind and you know we've, we've got it in recent memory or the players have got it in recent memory to go yeah it's alright we, we were behind Southampton and look what happened or we're behind Spurs or whatever and just know that they can overcome it I think it's probably more of a every single team turns up and, and plays for 15 minutes and then low blocks for the rest of the game so maybe it's just a case that we know we've got to get through that 10 minutes um, which we know we can do it quite easily most of the time to tire them out and then play our possession game and then play our game of attrition <laughs> to till we know. Because because I'd, I'd be interested to see it, but I, I would think that the first goal always comes and then the second goal comes and then between second and third and third and fourth, the time between is incrementally smaller. Like with Wolves where we were struggling for so long and then all of a sudden it just came. So maybe it's more, it's less that we are lazy or anything in the first 50 minutes more just we're soaking up their energy just trying to get our game going but it's just not been working the last four games as much yeah there is something to be said for that to be fair because we do score against the runner play <laughs> like literally <laughs> so we had a rough opening 15 20 minutes or whatever but then literally coming right out of that Ruben Diaz pings a brilliant ball over to Zinchenko he slides it across to Foden De Bruyne picks up the scraps was any of you expecting De Bruyne to do a proper Balotelli style <laughs> shoulder? Yeah, no, he the ball tried the not to score, did he? <laughs> he tried his best. <laughs> I was, I was, he was, I was getting frustrated with him again uh, in the start of that game, but uh, and I was, I was ready to scream when he, when he almost put it over, but thankfully it did, it did go in. So then we get to the, <laughs> the huge calls, one at each end of the pitch. So in my mind, it's an incredibly soft, soft, soft penalty at our end of the pitch. Like I know you two are a fan of giving soft pens. Like, what do you think of uh, what do you think of that? Was well, it a penalty? Sure it was it? Laporte? It was uh, Laporte's opinion on Twitter uh, after the game as well. Uh, like I said, I was out. I only saw it after the fact. I only saw it after the game. Actually, it's that that is ridiculous, isn't it? Like. Did he even pull him? They were saying he pulled him. It looked like it was just a, a, a literal touch. Like touch there, was, there was nothing to it. Um, but I suppose you, you come to us, you've got to do everything you can, haven't you? Like, otherwise you end up losing 5-2. <laughs> so you can't really blame the player for doing it. If, if he got a slight pull, he's going to go down. It was a most Salah-esque fall. Like you say, the, the referees, oh my God, man. Like we'll, we'll talk about it more when we get to our penalty. Why, why is it far if they're not picking up stuff like that? For me, these soft penalties, you can't. You need to separate it when 
it's an actual foul and a penalty to when it's simulation and a free kick to the other team. And I think in that case, there was absolutely an argument to be made there that there was very little contact, certainly no force to warrant Vestergaard going down in the way that he did to win the penalty. So everybody watching that back on VAR should look at that and go, that's simulation and it's a free kick to Manchester City and a book into the player. But uh, my theory, obviously, on that is, I think I've said it before, that VAR has just reverted back to what it was initially in the first place. Like the first season it was introduced, the beginning of last season, they were just there to reinforce the on-field referee's decision, back him up. And we basically saw that minutes later at the other end where this is a stonewall penalty. John Moss should have given it. It's too fat to keep up with the play, so didn't see it properly. So you can criticise him for that. Can you let him off the hook a little bit? He was out of position. That's what VAR's for. VAR looks at it, doesn't give it. Cam, what do you make of that disgrace? I think, of course, you can criticise him for it. it like you could say he's too fat to get into position. Why is he too fat to get into position? It's it's the biggest league in the world with the most money pumped into it. Why do we not have almost footballer level athletes playing, you know, being the ref? Like you should have a ref who can keep up with the game at the very least. Uh, Are you body. Graham Sooness now pro uh, ex pros becoming <laughs> referees? Is that what you're trying to, to get? Be honest, at? I, I, you, you struggle with that because there's allegiances and stuff though. <laughs> like I don't think ex pros should be refereed. Uh, because, you know, what if Paul Scholes becomes a referee and gets a, a City game that's, that's vital near the end of the season? You'll never believe that anything is, you know... He'll just claim he's an Altrincham fan. That's Altrincham. how it's done, right? <laughs> Mike, the, Mike Dean Tramway fan. It's putting VAR aside, the fact that you've got a referee of that size <laughs> in the Premier League <laughs> is an absolute <laughs> joke. Like, it, it, it just makes no sense. Uh, and then when you throw in VIR as well, that I, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand the process behind it. They, they keep explaining it to me, and then something happens that completely contradicts that. Oh, VAR will check that and get back to the referee. Actually, they can only do that if the ref says that. But on this occasion, it, what what are the rules? <laughs> I don't even know what the rules of the game are anymore, let alone the rules of VAR. I'm taking over your weekly injustice round here, I'm afraid, because I, I was, was going to say again. like we there's, we missed the weekly injustice at the beginning because this I've don't I've not been as apoplectic about any footballing decision for a long time probably since the Leon game and the the VAR decisions there but just because of what that meant but this has got to be the most egregious like mistake that they've ever done so because of the amount of football that we that I'm watching at the minute I've been relegated to watching it at my work desk in the hallway. <laughs> So I can't actually have it on the proper TV. And I've been also told to keep it down. <laughs> so don't be making too much noise. So I am literally like on my feet, push the uh, chair back from the desk, like swiping my hands left, right and center all over the place, like screaming under my breath, like like a Riyad Mahrez at Shaq sort of thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like oh, wow. James, are you showing this much emotion over what a fucking travesty of a decision this was? It's one-one, um, and that can very well cost us the game. And as you said, put the title race back into contention. Yeah, I think I think I express it in a different way. In that, I just expect it. You know, it should be better. In the same way that I expect opposition players to dive because they did the work in the system. Um, I don't want it to happen, but I just expect it to be the case. And just just a little bit of clarity that this isn't VAR's fault. VAR's is a system. It's the people running VAR and making the, the decisions based on VAR. That, that's where the issue is. And it seems to be, and this has been mentioned quite frequently through commentary over the last few years that it's been in, that seems to be a remit that VAR is sort of like the referees club and the guys managing it are there to support their on-field colleague. That's the complete wrong way to look at it. Yeah. It should be that they look at it and go, John Moss is a human. Yeah, an overweight human that should have been close to the ball. But <laughs> he makes human errors and we're there to help him not look like a fool by just saying, listen, mate, you might have got that one wrong. 
you know, we can sort that out rather than blindly going, yes, sir, whatever you say, sir. It makes the whole system redundant. And I'm just like, I, I wasn't on my feet going mad over it because like, I expected it. This is what it's become. So to put that in another context, if, if I'm at work and I make an a, a egregious mistake like that, and then the system that I work with throws that mistake up to my manager and says, you know, he's made this awful mistake. My manager did then come out swinging to the fences for me saying, oh, he was right to do what he did. Even though it's a, a massive error, he was right to do what he did. Why is it not the same here? Why, why Like you say, why is it the, mad, the referee is the boss and everything he says goes even if he's clearly wrong? Why? It's, why? Just, it's just a boys club now, isn't it? That they all look out for each other. And it's, it's the worst part of the English game for me. Because I think if that changed, it would change the way diving's looked at, it, the simulation, it, it changed the way, it changed tactics as well in the way that some teams just operate to win free kicks out of the pitch and their team is then made up of fucking six foot seven centre-backs and great free kick takers, not mentioning any names, Southampton. Um, but it would, it would have a, an effect all the way through the league if they sorted this out. Because people are just working within the lines now for it. So Pep seemed to agree with us anyway after the game. He said perhaps they wanted to make the title race a bit more competitive. So that's why there's a penalty that's very easily given and backed up by VAR on one end, a penalty that's unrightfully and wrongfully denied at the other end and then backed up by VAR anyway. Is Pep right to say that or do you reckon he's going to get a slap on the wrist? You don't want to... Things. Yeah, you don't want to don the tinfoil hat, do you? But it's hard not to when stuff like that happens. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll give him a slap on the wrist because I think they don't want to draw any more attention to it than they have, mm-hmm. than has been drawn to it. So I think he'll just go past, but he might have to be careful about what he says going forward. He was right the to best. say it, though. Oh, 100%. Yeah. He's, vo- he, he's finally the voice of the fans in that respect. It's what we've been feeling for ages. And the best time to make that argument as well is after you've won. So it's not like you're you're a Bertie Blue or whatever. But anyway, we were talking about weak mentality and whatever before. You know, sometimes City these decisions go against them and then they end up suffering, but not in this game. Mares took control of the game, banged two goals, should have had a third, but it came back off the post for Mr. Whippy to lick that up. And then De Bruyne finished it off. And besides from a <laughs> So we record over Zoom and I, I'm looking down at my computer and I just looked up to these guys giving me the filthiest look for saying <laughs> like that up. <laughs> it was awful. We are taking Last... points away for shit puns, right? I'm taking points yeah. away for being grossed out. <laughs> so Aguero comes back for the last 15 minutes. Uh, what do you guys make of that? He looked back to kind of what we he would associate good, with the old Aguero, right? He looked good. That that shot that was in the Aguero, it wasn't quite the Aguero shot because it wasn't along the ground, but he, he was testing. The, at least he got a shot off this time. Uh, he was getting into positions. He was getting the ball. Maybe it was the right thing to, to piecemeal his starts back because I heard today that he was, Zabalaya said he was a bit upset that he didn't start against United uh, when he felt he could. And I, and I think he probably should have uh, based on Jesus giving a penalty away in the first minute. But uh, he's, he's looking sharp again so uh, I'll get into it later obviously but I think he should be starting against a certain London club this weekend Well speaking of Sergio Aguero he's going to be the main topic of conversation in the next part as we go on to our weekly debate we'll be right back You're listening to the Topical City Podcast Disagree with anything you've heard? Don't forget to let the Etty lads know at Topical City Pod on Twitter Welcome back to the Topical City podcast. Before we go ahead and look to the next match this weekend, it's time for our weekly debate. And this time it's Cameron versus James. First place in the Etihad's table versus last place in the Etihad's table. And there's plenty of points up for grabs here. There will be two questions and the winner of each question gets a point. However, additional points can also be won by the strength of the arguments and points lost if a guile cliche is mentioned. So, James, looking at the Etihad's table, you've lost the most points from the debates while earning the least amounts of points at the same time. Are you feeling confident going into this one, mate? 
think I've got to fight the uh, the uh, lifelong friendship bias of you two, haven't I? <laughs> Easy to play. No, Easy you to two play. know how each other think, and Katie, your um, rebuttals are coming. It's, it's nothing to do with that. It's the weekly payment I send over. <laughs> <laughs> swing. I'm not confident. I'll say that now. I'm not confident today. I, I think I'm going to hit some guy cliches, and I also think you've probably got the stronger side of it. So uh, it's yours to lose, pal. Look at him trying this reverse psychology on me. So it's a very topical debate this week. Nudge, nudge, topical city. You're listening to the Topical City podcast. We're going to talk about Sergio Aguero and his contract situation at Manchester City. So for anyone that isn't aware and you've been living under a rock, Aguero's contract runs out at the end of this season. So firstly, we're going to approach this from Manchester City's perspective. And the question is as follows. Should Manchester City offer Sergio Aguero a contract extension? Uh, which one of you wants to go first? I'll go, I'll go first on this side. Ooh, I think I gazumped you there, mate. All right, right. I'll lose this first. Sorry. Should, should, be, should be fine. You go. I'm going to regret this now because he's got the rebel. <laughs> right, okay. So we should say, because I keep getting mentioned, getting uh, comments about this, that we have to pick a side on this, don't we? And it's not yeah, necessarily you our opinion. You, you fought for no. That's just lies. <laughs> <laughs> it's about how well we debate within this moment, yeah? Yes, absolutely. Getting that clear yeah. before I get rinsed. Because you I hate Sergio to. Aguero. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Okay, so I'm arguing against why City should give Aguero a new contract. Uh, and there's a few reasons for this. I think, firstly, it's clear now that the club has a clear directive that they're going after a top class striker this summer they're going to be spending some serious money and they're not going to spend that money for someone to just rotate with Aguero someone's going to come in to be the top dog and because of that we need to show respect to arguably our greatest ever player and show some care for him I think offering for the club to offer Aguero a contract would be a selfish act for the club to keep him around but he wouldn't actually get the game time that he wants. And if you look at the way we've treated past legends like Vinny, like David, we've given them the respect they deserve and let them leave for other opportunities rather than letting them waste away and lose a bit of that status and the fan recognition in the same way that Yaya did. You know, Sergio deserves everything that he can get from the club and we can't give him the playing time that he wants so as a loving gesture from the club they should allow him to move on and not rot on the bench it's like when a guy's uh too drunk at the bar right it's you know come on mate you you gotta sling your okay for, it's for more your like sake. old yellow old yellow's <laughs> got rabies and we've got to put it down <laughs> well, I'm, right I, i'm gonna start with uh rebutting your points there um first of all um you mentioned it, it we, we're not going to rotate with a top-class striker. Play 70 games a season, we had, we had, and, you know, the same striker hasn't played for the past, like, 21 games. We are definitely, we definitely have room for rotation in this system. Uh, and if we let Aguero go, the rotation option is Gabriel Jesus, who is, as much as I, I like the guy, he's, he's a much inferior striker to Sergio Aguero, specifically in terms of goals and striking the ball. You mentioned we've got to have respect for Sergio. I, I think letting him leave, forcing him out, when he is very clearly said in the press, that, well, at least journals say he, he wants to stay and wants to continue. It's not respect to me. Um, you, you also mentioned we, we should let him leave like we let Vinny and David leave. They wanted to go. There was nothing about them you know, being fought. They, they decided that they wanted to move to the next step in their career. Uh, it was nothing to do with us letting them go. I want to cover this for a point. I saw a tweet the other day um, about this. Uh, I believe it was from uh, Freddie at City Extra. Um, and he said, we should let him go. We he shouldn't sign a new contract. Uh, something along the lines of we're, we're an elite team. It's all about success on the pitch. And I have never had anything ring so false with me as a City fan before. I, I don't want to be that team that only cares about success, that only cares about getting the best possible players and shipping out players that we all love because maybe they're not at their absolute peak. And, and to speak of it anyway, Aguero is nowhere near past his best. 
Um, he, and I, they'll show that against Fulham on Saturday, I'm sure of it. Do we really want to be the club, a club of mercenaries that come in for 100 million and then we ship them out and say, oh, do we want to be the club that re-signs our top goal scorer with all the romance of, of keeping Sergio Aguero at this club as long as we possibly can? I, I want that. I, I, being Richard, I'm sure James said this, we always talk about this. If we only win one cup in a season, yeah, it's a bad season, but at least we won a cup. I, I don't need to be winning four trophies. Ever. I, I want my club. I don't want a machine that is made to buy players and, and win trophies. I want Sergio at the heart. I want Sergio scoring goals. I want That's what I want. So we should re-sign Sergio because it's the right thing to do. He's our top goal scorer. He's better than Jesus as a, as a backup option in quotations. We need to keep that player. He's, he's- James Cameron had a quick rebuttal to things that you said there before we wrap up the first part of this. Do you want a quick rebuttal to anything that he said and called you out on? Absolutely. Cam, you've got the wrong end of the stick with this. This isn't about what you want. You kept saying through that, this is what I want. I don't want my club to be this. I want us to re-sign Sergio Aguero. It's not about that. This is about what the club should do. And to look at this from the club's point of view, which is what the question was, they are ruthless when it comes to business and they have a, a supreme business model. And to look at Sergio Aguero as a depreciating asset... You look, at, you look at it from a financial point of view and you look at him earning 230 grand a week, that comes down to about 12 million a year and he's our third highest earner. Yet he's barely kicked a ball for the last year. And there's a very strong argument and you can see from the club looking at a balance sheet that for us to spend that 12 million a year on someone that can return a lot more to the squad, that makes so much more sense. This isn't about what we want. This is about what the club should do for the club's best interest. Right, okay, guys, ring the bell. That's the uh, the first part of There's this. There's no room for a clarification before you make the point there. Is there? Oh, bell's rung, sorry. Well, hold on, Cameron, just I'll because I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to award a point just yet. We're going to move right into the second part of this question because they are very closely related. And the second part is approaching this from Sergio Aguero's perspective. Should Sergio Aguero sign a contract extension with Manchester City if it was offered to him? So, Cam, are you going to go first on this one? Yeah, I will do. Um, yes, uh, he should do. He's been getting a lot of doubters recently. Saying he's not, he's not up to snuff. He should be going. Um, he should. We should let him go. Again, this is our, our top goal scorer of all time. He should. He should stay to silence those doubters for a start because. It's completely disrespectful from anybody saying he should be going. On top of that, he's currently fourth in the Premier League top scorers. He's seven goals off being third. He's only about 27 goals off being second. He's never going to catch Shearer. But he, he could literally, you know, a good rest of the season, a good final season next year at City, he could very easily get to that second spot, even in rotation. I, I back Sergio Aguero to get that many goals. Uh, providing he stays fit. And on top of that, it's the, it's the reason David stayed for the last season that he did. He's missing one trophy. He's got one trophy that he's not won with City and he needs to win it. He needs to complete that collection. With City. Do you think City are going to win that trophy? I think we've got a better chance for Sergio rather than Jesus up front because this Haaland transfer is by no means done. And if he goes to Madrid, if he goes to PSG, if he goes to anybody like, like that, Got, we'll probably get in the next Ed in Dzeko. We'll probably get in some panic by striker that is not... Because who's the other one? Mbappe? He's not coming to see. Uh, this is Haaland Sergio's is the, perspective, isn't it? Yeah, Exactly, yeah. So this is why I'm just saying he he should sign because he's going to get game time, he's going to play, and he needs to win that final trophy that he's missing with us. And he needs to get as high up on that top Premier League top scorer list as possible because he gets such disrespect from people in the Premier League who's followed the Premier League anyway. They don't even put him in the conversation a greatest striker in a, in a wider format. So he needs to get as high up that table as possible and he needs to finish his career and say with a Champions League medal. James, what have you got to say for that, mate? You kind of said my point for me in terms of the Champions League, uh, Richard, in that there's no guarantee that he's going to win the Champions League at City. And you mentioned that City will just panic by someone else if they don't get Haaland. This is this is a club that has succession planning 
and they'll already have their targets and it's not a case of oh we can't get Holland shit they will have a list as long as you're arm of players that are capable and Aguero knows that but from his point of view I do not think he should sign a new contract because just as the club I said before the clubs should show Aguero respect we shouldn't underestimate his own self-respect and you know we know that he's got strong beliefs and he isn't afraid to voice these through his journalist mates whether that be through contract issues or playing time he's a guy that's got a lot of faith in his own ability and if he doesn't feel he'll have the opportunities to show it he will move on and looking at opportunities I've dug into this he's played 220 minutes of a possible 2610 in the league this year that's seven appearances and I understand that he's been injured he's been injured for 17 games so that means there's 12 he could have played yet he's only played seven of them and he's only been in the starting lineup 10% of the time that he could have been Cam, have you got a uh, rebuttal to James's points that he's made there before we uh, prematurely yeah, call the bell on you again? <laughs> uh, he said he said there's no guarantee uh, to Sergio winning the Champions League with City. Well, yeah, there's no guarantee, but it's much less likely he'll win it with City if he bloody leaves. So, he's, <laughs> well, he's, he's yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's definitely got. He's, there's a chance to do it, and he should take that chance uh, to complete his legacy at City. Yeah, again, you said um, he's how little game time he's played, and, and you clarified it by saying he's injured. Yeah, he's injured. He had COVID. Uh, he's he's had all this stuff, but the fact that he's out of the games that you said where he's he's you know he's been fit for twelve games or whatever, and he's not played. It's not specific to Aguero that Pep's taking his time introducing players back to the team when he's when they've been injured. It's not a sign of disrespect or weakness or, or confirmation that he won't play because he's been taking his time bringing him back into the squad. He does that with countless City players. They, they don't come back, unless you're Kevin De Bruyne, they don't immediately come back into the lineup. So on that, yeah, he, do, he does ease a lot of people back, but this is from Aguero's point of view, and Aguero could probably think that he could move to another top club and not have that issue, because there isn't, there's not another club in world football that has the strength in rotation that we have. So he's only got a couple of years left to play at the top level. Surely the winner in Aguero, of course he wants to win the Champions League, but in theory, he could move to Barcelona on a free transfer with his mate Messi. I probably just said a bunch of girl cliches there. Um, and play every game and have a good chance of winning the Champions League. The thing is, from, City's, from Aguero's point of view, he understands Pep's ways now. But he also knows that Pep has firstly developed a system where we don't necessarily need a striker, and that's clearly bringing us a lot of success. He also knows Pep is ruthless and sentiment goes out the window when it comes to winning. You know, Aguero's got, what, he's 32 now? So he's got a couple of years left. He'll want to play as much as he can. And you said on the pod a couple of weeks ago, Cam, that you're Sergio Aguero FC and you will follow him anywhere. Surely... That means that you want the best for him. And if that means keeping his legendary status at City and him not wasting away on the bench, you should respect that he needs to follow his pride and turn down a contract and go and get the playing time that he deserves. I do. Um, I'll allow way. you the rebuttal there because you've, you've been called, called out, out, so I'll allow you to defend yourself. I did say I wanted the best for him, and the best for him is to play for Manchester City Football Club. That's your because, opinion. This is about his opinion. Well, that was your opinion. <laughs> was that the best for him is not to play for Manchester City? Yeah, we could play that game all day. <laughs> it's, it's... And we have for the last uh, 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Um, I feel like I'm being a bit gaslit. In, in, not gaslit. Gaslit's not gaslit. <laughs> I'm saying Jesus, mate. I feel, I feel like I'm being a bit... I, I'm being told that I'm not answering the question. Um, and I, I do think I am doing it. It's all about how you interpret a question. Uh, you're saying that I want Sergio to sign. I I believe Sergio should sign. It's about what Sergio believes. I think Sergio would give you all the same reasons I give. He wants to be the best striker in England. He wants to be up, up at the top of that Premier League list. So I, I just wanted to put that particular bit out there. Um, I could say the same thing, though. I believe Sergio will say everything. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. The match is over, this guys. This hurt me, man. This, this debate has <laughs> hurt me like, real bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just okay. want to say I, I love Sergio and you know, I don't feel like 
Yeah, I feel like you really trashed him there, James. I'm picturing <laughs> his little face looking all sad and lonely now. It's a good job hey, I'm in charge of the table. absolutely leather me. <laughs> so there's some points to award here for sure. So while I'm kind of coming to terms with who won which question, who made strong arguments to get some points, there is also some points to lose. Yeah. It was so a, hard not to on this one. Yeah. A guile cliche was, in fact, hit. Just one? Just the one, yeah. There was a couple available up for grabs here. And you, you've got, you're onto a right feeling there, James, because yeah. it was you. Oh, and. The guy or cliche that you hit was mates with Messi. Do you know what? Do you know what? In the first one, I was going to say it. I, like, I was so annoyed at the first argument that I missed the one point I was going to put. I was going to put in that if you want that Messi transfer to happen, keeping Sergio <laughs> in the club is the best thing. Because I, I was so upset about the original argument hey, yeah, that I left yeah. it off to, to deal with the rest of the argument. It was but, difficult to come up with a couple of gal cliches on this one because they were mostly related to stuff like that and sentimentality, which kind of lent more towards Cameron saying it. But since you guys always seem to put the gal cliche <laughs> on things that I'm going to say every week anyway, I uh, went ahead. I think, I think it's, it's, it's proven that it's impossible not to. <laughs> Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's impossible to not have a cliche fall on one side. The ninety-three twenty moment as sentimentality of we'll never hear an Aguero moment again, or something to that effect, was also a guy of cliche. You know, you you did well to avoid that, Cameron, because you did focus heavily on sentimentality, yeah. and I think that's why for the first question, I'm going to award the the point there to James. Just because in terms of it being a Manchester City perspective, I, I do agree with everything that James said there about, you know, needing a new striker. The thing I wanted to rebut about, if that's even a word, um, about that last one that, that you cut me off with. Retail that rebuttal. It was, the, it was how, I, how I was portrayed in phrasing the question. Because you were saying um, about it's whether the club should sign Sergio. So you've interpreted that as the club should, as in from a financial standpoint for this and that, whereas I interpret it should as from a, a respect standpoint, as from a, as from, do you know what I mean? Like, like, um, but you but, presented but, it across from a fan point of view. Not a fan. I am a fan. Yeah, but this is about the club and not the fans. Yeah, but that's what I mean is the, the club should do it. It's still the same question. It's just, we interpret it differently. Um, that, that's why I wanted to read, but was that it's still the right yeah. question. Just not. But congratulations on the point, pal. Thank you. Yeah, I'm he, on flat he, zero. But there is another point to give away there because, you know, we are approaching this from Sergio Aguero's perspective as well. And I've got to be honest, for this one, I did think that one person was going to take away both points because it's two sides of the same coin, essentially, what you were arguing for. But I did think that Cameron raised a few more points with wanting to Sergio Aguero wanting to stay at Manchester City for the Champions League to break more records etc I think that the sentimentality thing does fall into the right category there for Sergio and from his perspective rather than um, him wanting to move away from the club like he was suggesting there James to, to get game time somewhere else so I'm going to award the points for the second uh, question to Cameron. Well done, mate. So to clarify there, after that debate for the first question, James won that and earned a point, but then he lost that point by hitting the Gale cliche. So he comes empty-handed out of that and Cameron wins one point for the Sergio Aguero perspective. Richard, I want to propose a, a pain point for, for uh, James and I, because I know I come and debated that. I and I have... <laughs> I don't think I've ever been in a positive point for a debate yet. <laughs> so uh, if you're amenable to it, I'm happy to, to give him a sympathy point based on, on how, because that, that hurt me to hear, let alone hurt me to have to say it. Do you know what? When you when you said a pain point, I really wanted it. But when you wanted to give me a sympathy point, <laughs> it kind of feels like charity. You know, well, I call want. it whatever you want. Call it whatever you so, want. I was saying I'm, I'm not in the business of handing out pity points here, especially after I lost seven in the last one. Like, right, I'm, not, your uh, choice. I'm not being charitable. That yeah, yeah your so choice. This is, this is also my choice not to hand out 
points. <laughs> that, that's so, fair. It's got, so, it's got to be a majority. But, but James, I, I'm... Oh, if it's a majority, I agree, mate. Then, like... <laughs> <laughs> unanimous is probably the word. Uh, it's got to be unanimous, but but I, I honestly, I, I, I'd, I'd give you something for that because that that hurt me to hear. That. I, do you know what, mate? I respect that, and I can't wait till I'm hosting because I'll give you some peace. <laughs> oh dear. Well, that was our weekly debate, all said with a tear in our eye, as Sergio Aguero prepares to depart Eastlands. Hopefully not. So when we come back, we're going to quickly preview the Fulham game and give our predicted lineups. And then we're going to also preview the second round of the last 16 Champions League game against Borussia Mönchengladbach. We may be fans of the best team in the land and all the world, but sometimes life isn't always great for everyone. You can make life a little bit better for someone else by donating to your local food bank. Visit MCFC Food Bank on Twitter for more information and for their GoFundMe link. Okay, so before we wrap things up, we're going to preview the next few games. This Saturday, City finally have a game game away from home. It's against Fulham at Craven Cottage. City haven't lost this fixture in the last 16 meetings dating back to 2009. There's been 13 wins and three draws during that time. And Fulham are in a bit of run of good form, or as good as you can get for a team in 18th. What do you guys reckon for this one? It's going to be tough, isn't it? They, they've got a bit of belief about them, and they, they seem determined to get out of the bottom three, so it's, it's going to be a tough test, I think. I was going to say, they'd just beat Liverpool, aren't they? But it's not hard hmm. at the minute, so... <laughs> I think we'll concede just because we seem to be in that mood at the moment, but I can't see us having too too hard a time with it. So we're going to do our predicted lineups for this. Cameron, why don't you go first? Just give us your entire um, starting eleven for this game. So I've gone uh, Edison in net, obviously. Uh, back four, Cancelo, Stones, Laporte, Zinchenko. Uh, then midfield three of Rodri, KDB and Bernardo. And up front. Uh, I've gone for the two of the players that I thought should have started the last game, but didn't. I've gone Torres, Aguero, and then Sterling. So Torres and Aguero didn't have the best time starting together in the West Ham game, was it? You think they're going to do better in this one? Uh, Aguero, it's a fitness, uh, like it's, it's, you know, it's comeback game, so it's, it's an easier game for him to do. Uh, and Torres just, I, I think he, he does need to still prove himself a little bit. And again, a, a, against a smaller team like that, that's the time you do it. Um, I did notice when they last played, they do seem to occupy the same space a lot, so that might be the issue. So it might be that Torres needs to learn that he's got to stay out wide a bit more. I just think it's a game where those two can probably have a decent go of it, so why not start? And what scorer and score are you going for this one, man? Uh, like I said, I think I think we'll concede. So I've gone 3-1 uh, with uh, Big Surge uh, scoring a comeback goal. Nice, nice. And James, why don't you go through your whole starting eleven for us? Yep, so we've got Edison in there, Stones and Diaz at the back, Cancelo and Zinchenko on the flanks. Then I've gone for a midfield three of Rodri, Bernardo and Gundo, with Kev as a false nine, and then Mahrez in Sterling. Man's 3-0 and Kev the score. And if you want to know what my predicted lineup is for this game, you can go and check that out on the City Extra Twitter page there. There'll be a link to their website. And for the scorer, I'm going to go for Riyad Mahrez because he's in form. And the score, I think, will end 3-0, just like James thinks. So the game after that is the big game, which is the Borussia Mönchengladbach game, the last 16 of the Champions League second leg. So just a note on this, they've changed the location for the game pretty last minute. They're going to have it in Budapest, like the first leg. Cam, what's your thoughts on that, man? bit annoying because it's further to travel, isn't it? If my geography's right. Um... But if they didn't have a home game, I suppose it's fair that we don't have a home game, even though there's no fans anyway. Does it really matter? The only thing that really comes into account is the travel time. So um, if it is further away, which I'm fairly certain it is, if it is further away, that is annoying. But what are you going to do? The only thing I've got a problem with this on is I don't know why the fuck we're even doing the away goals rule still. I mean, if, if it's at a neutral venue with no fans and both teams have to travel... What incentive was there to even have away goals be a thing in at this stage of the time? You, you've, to be honest, you, I, I don't know why away goals are a thing. Anyway, I think they're fucking pointless. 
I get that it's because of home advantage and all that, but I just don't see the point in it. We might as well just have it played out over aggregate. Originally, it was to encourage the team to attack, wasn't it? Rather than just sitting on it and just trying to win their own home game. But it's kind of been made redundant now. So this match isn't said and done by any stretch of the imagination. But if we do get through to the quarterfinals, James, who do you think we'll get? Who do I think they'll get? And who I'm aware of getting are two separate things, aren't they? So I think we'll probably get a team that we expect to beat. And then it'll be a tough battle, like Leon. And the name that pops out to me is Porto. But the team that I would hate to pull out in general would be Dortmund, just purely because I do not want to face Holland. <laughs> I don't want to play Chelsea. Could Chelsea get through still? Yeah. They're, they're an absolute Absolutely, yeah. nightmare at the moment. So I really don't want to play Chelsea. I, I think because it's his new, because it's two Chelsea shell, two shells new there, I honestly think that that'll be a real statement for them if they can beat us, and I think they'll really go for it. So I'm going to have to cut you off there, Cam, because I cannot even bear the thought of City having to go up against another English team and go out in the quarterfinals like we did to Liverpool, like we did at Spurs. <laughs> it's just not something I want to have to think about at all. So we're going to wrap this up. Thank you, lads, for joining me, and we'll see you on the next one. Sunji, bye. I'm going to cry. I'm going to go cry.